calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. everybody and welcome to another brand new spoiler review episode for she-hulk here on the geek Money. Money. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> we are back at it again it is me and michael vogel today uh shannon mcclung uh, is uh caught up at work but we are gonna break down episode seven the retreat uh and we're gonna spoiler review this whole thing from top to bottom so if you haven't watched the episode go and watch the episode then come on back and hang out with us I'm the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. That is uh, Michael Vogel. What do you do, Michael? I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies where you can see uh, some of my work on Netflix right now. If you want to check out seasons one and seasons two of Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City. There you go. Shannon's not here to hype it up, so I have to do it. So there <laughs> you go. Right. Check it out. That's right. And this is going to be very curious. Uh, the episode we're going to break down is called The Retreat. Uh, Jen heading off to uh, Emil Blonsky's retreat and all the stuff that she confronts there and all the stuff we get revealed about furthering the idea of mutants in the MCU. And before we dive into it, I just I want to give a big shout out to Carbon Health, who powers and sponsors us here on the Geek Buddies and on the Outlaw Nation. Go to CarbonHealth.com for any of your healthcare questions, concerns, or needs. Maybe you need to go and do a yurt. Maybe you need to come face-to-face with who you are and have some group okay. therapy. Uh, I think they offer that kind of stuff, but they do and offer Carbon virtual. Health, and Carbon Health covers your physical and your mental well-being, so I think you are right. Wellness is go. important, guys. Wellness <laughs> is a big thing. That's right. Get on it. You can download the app to have a doc in your pocket. they got urgent care, physical care, virtual care, all of it available for you. They're still testing, co- uh, you know, doing the COVID testing, which is still raging across the land, ladies and gentlemen. So 
don't uh, don't um, how, don't shortchange yourself on your health. Go and get checked out at CarbonHealth.com. Eighty plus locations in California, hundred plus locations all over the country. All right, Mike, let's jump into this thing. Overall thoughts on episode seven, the retreat here on She-Hulk. I mean, listen, at this point, if you're on board with She-Hulk, you're on board with She-Hulk. And if you're not, you're not. And I'm on board. Like they are, as far as I'm concerned, they are just continuing to give me delight after delight. Like (laughs) I love the tone. I love the silliness. Uh, you know, Shannon is not here to talk about the sometimes questionable CG effects on She-Hulk, but like I've accepted that too. You know, you're sort of like, this is what the show is. This is where the technology is on She-Hulk. And if you're on board for it, it is a hell of a ride. I, I think it is the exact right amount of funny and sweet for what I want it to be. And in, in a week where I'm dealing with like some heavy, heavy battles in Middle Earth, some oh, yeah. major, major things going down on House of the Dragon. Yeah. Uh, you know, the rebellion is not uh, all fluffy rainbows on Coruscant and in Andor. And She-Hulk is just going and hanging out in a yurt with a bunch of C-list supervillains. Like, it's great. <laughs> like, it's, it is just silly and ridiculous. But like I said, just manages to be really, really sweet at the same time. Yeah, it's a great point you bring up. A little counter-programming for all the heavier stuff that's going on in all these other series. Certainly, this is a little bit more of a uh, more relaxed and funnier or attempt to be funnier uh, approach to the world. Um, I actually liked this episode. Yes, I still think there were some comedic missteps because I just don't think I'm going to 100 percent be on board with the comedy. But I liked a lot of the message of this episode. I liked this idea of, you know, confronting coming to terms with the other side of yourself. You know, we spend a majority of our lives as regular human beings chastising ourselves with that little inner voice that criticizes us for the little things that we're doing and we show we try to show our best selves and when those other parts of ourselves come out we can sometimes beat ourselves up too much and i or think the other part of ourselves is the better part the the part that people want to hang out with and they don't want to see the other sides of yourself so i love that there was a great like mental health psychological undertone running throughout this entire uh, episode and sometimes bubbling up really obviously to the surface, but most of the time it's kind of bubbling underneath as we got through it. We did get some C-list supervillains. We'll see if that works or not uh, as we break. C-list, C-list is generous, but yeah. <laughs> sure, fair enough. Uh, we'll see list mutants uh, if we really want yeah. to tell the truth there. We'll, we'll dive into all of that for sure. Uh, but let's take a quick break and we'll jump into the uh, Gen storyline right after this. Bounce. That was Mbop. I think that was Mbop. That was sure. Good. That's good. That's all right. Let's. We're going to focus on the gens. It's just pretty much the whole episode is the gen storyline, and then we'll hit the Easter eggs uh, and uh, the Josh stuff on the other side of the break here. Uh, what Josh ended up being. Uh, on the other side of the break here. But let's get into this thing. Jen is getting ready. We see, this is like a rom-com. This reminds me of the, the beginning of Adventures in Babysitting. She's very happy. Yeah. She's glowing. They're going on these dates. We're seeing the Josh and Jen relationship develop. They're going to drive-ins. Uh, they're uh, almost kissing, then uh, the handshaking, then almost kissing. And then eventually she does invite him in and they spend the night. And then Josh ghosts her in essence. And she becomes obsessed with trying to check her phone and look, a lot of us have been there where we're checking our phone. Is he like, why haven't they real. responded back? It, it was too, too real. real. It's for sure. So she gets, she, we find out that when she gets to work, Nikki is telling her that she is uh, nominated for female lawyer of the year. Uh, Josh does not respond. And we've gotten to Sunday 
And while we got to Sunday, we also watch her watch her watching the great Muppet Caper. Mike, I'm sure you enjoyed that with uh, a, Miss lot, a lot of time, a lot to say, I'm a lot to say about it. <laughs> Miss Piggy is busting out of jail. Is that symbolism for her? Symbolism for Blonsky? Because right then on Sunday we get a call. She thinks it's Josh, but it's actually Chuck ML Blonsky's parole officer uh, who calls her. Says there's an issue with Blonsky, Blonsky's inhibitor, and will she come with him to go to the retreat? They end up at the retreat. It's called Summer Twilights, which I thought was a great name for it. Uh, Chuck is recalibrating ML's inhibitor while she's She-Hulk. Then we cut to Mambol and El Aguila getting into things on her car. Uh, and uh, as Mambol is pushing the car uh, to go to the garage, Emil delivers a tour of the retreat. We hear about the wood lodge. We hear about the ceremonial sweat yurt. And uh, um, she leaves uh, Emil after he offers to help her to go and try and find a signal. She finally finds reception as she stumbles into this group meeting with uh, Porcupine and Saracen also there with uh with uh emil blonsky and Mambol and aguilar and then wrecker shows up and she immediately tosses into some chairs that Mambol poorly uh that Mambol set up which hurts his feelings uh and jen has to go sit in the calming chair and we now uh, get into this group conversation about therapy and wrecker is working through his issues he takes radical accountability which i think is awesome then this causes eventually from a little bit of peer pressure for jen to open up her situation about Josh, uh, and we hear a little bit more about Saracen's dad, that Saracen thinks he's a vampire. Is he a vampire? Porcupine won't take off his costume. But as I said, Jen gets into the issues with Josh, and all these guys uh, open the door to hear her, give her some advice. Then they resort to violence, but Wrecker stops them and says, let's hear her out and let's give her some positive feedback. And by the end, Jen is smiling. She's become herself, goes into the yurt, and everyone cheers her on, and she uh, her car is towed away. Uh, by uh, slot towing, which is a nice shout out to Dan Slot. So that's overall what happened to Jen in the episode. Let's break it down for a vote. Well, where where do you want to go? What what stood out to you? What really kind of appealed to you about the uh, journey that Jen went on in this episode? Well, I just partially, I just really love how the creators of the show are like, we are going to do what we want to do and fuck you. Like, like they, we all know, know they say fuck you, but they say, we you know, all we know that we've got, we all know that we've got Matt Murdock waiting in the wings mm. and half of the fans on Twitter are like, where is daredevil? Where is daredevil? Yeah. To the point that like a couple Twitter accounts were just like, Hey, it's not the daredevil show. That one's coming later. This is the She-Hulk show. And I just love that even though we know that that's coming up and we know that we're going to, you know, wrap up this plot with the intelligentsia, like yeah. this is really just centered on Jen and her journey and like any sitcom, her romance life, her well-being, how she's feeling about stuff. And I think they did it in such a silly She-Hulk way um, to kind of take her into this place with all of these like D-list supervillains, even bringing yeah. Wrecker into the mix of it. I mean, even with Emil Blonsky, I mean, when we all saw these trailers for She-Hulk early on, it's like, oh, is Abomination going to be the big bad guy? Is he Why? the one trying to get Jen's blood? He's running a fucking retreat, man. He's just <laughs> wanting to talk about some feelings and has his questionable uh, advice that he got off of several self-help books while he was in prison. Um, and, you know, it's really sweet. But also, you know, I don't think that She-Hulk is necessarily, to your point, John, yeah. it's not the absolute funniest comedy on television. Like, yeah. there are a lot of comedies on television where the comedy is a lot sharper. But by balancing it out, like, with a level of comedy, a level of, like, nerd comic book, Marvel Easter eggs and connections to the MCU, yeah. and most importantly like some genuine emotion and sweetness to it, I think the recipe on the whole works really well, even if every single moment doesn't always land. Yeah. And I think 
what really struck me, what really kind of stuck out to me, and I just remember in one of our comments is either on Twitter or in one of the comments on our early episodes, yeah. somebody was complaining that they just felt that Jen Walters was a little bit of a Mary Sue because she doesn't have to deal with the issues that Bruce has to deal with. And I think we mm. talked about this a few weeks back, but this episode particularly, I think, crystallized what makes Jen as a character not uh, just female Hulk, but actually yeah. makes her a very different character in her own right. Whereas Bruce Banner struggles with this monster inside of him right jen walters as she says very eloquently in this episode struggles with having that girl in high school that you thought was better than you inside of her yeah like the struggle of this isn't i've got this monster that's gonna hulk out and destroy a city and everyone's gonna think i'm a monster and i have to hold this inside of me because if i let it out people are gonna die this is i'm feeling really inadequate as a human being because this thing that's inside of me everybody likes more yeah. She's prettier. She's taller. She's got better hair. Right. People want to date her. Nobody wants to date me. Uh, and then kind of wrapping all of that up into this Josh not texting thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, look, it's what you said. We have all been there. We have all had that person who you send a text. And after five minutes, if you didn't get that text back, you start getting anxiety and you obsess over it for days. And then when you kind of come out of that weird fog of being obsessed with somebody, you're like, why was I a fucking moron? But then you end up back in that space again a month later. So, uh, you know, I thought they just did a really nice job in this episode of kind of getting to the meat with just two episodes left of this whole Jen She-Hulk what the deal is with her and what she's trying to struggle with is finding that balance of both sides of her. Yeah, it's been a more overt approach to it because they've had 12 episodes. Remember, we haven't had a Hulk solo movie with Mark Ruffalo. We've had to see Ruffalo struggle with his Hulk stuff in scenes in within movies that are Avengers movies or movies that have another character as the titular character in the title. So this is where we're getting a little more time with her. So we've gotten glimpses of Bruce's struggle with it, certainly, but we're getting way more time here. With you. And it's going to be different. A man's approach to this situation is different than a woman's approach to this situation, at least in the way they're portraying it. So I like that we're getting a newer approach to it. And Tatania Maslany is doing an excellent job, yet again, showing you why she was cast as the lead in this show. You know, a couple of the comedic moments I found myself in the last few episodes, or kind of last couple of episodes, thinking about, oh, Allison Brie might have nailed that a little bit stronger. But these more emotional moments, these more like this, this kind of lighthearted approach to her mental health, you still sense there's a seriousness to her. And I think yeah. Tatiana's talent really comes through. Not that Allison couldn't do that too, but I feel like it's a more natural thing with the way Tatiana is playing it that I find myself connected to this character more and more. Look, I like her. Uh, whether the show works every episode or not is a separate conversation, but I like her as this character and I'm invested in her as this character and where she's going, you know, and, and they do give her a lot to confront. You know, it seems like every guy is kind of not the right guy for her. And then we find out, of course, what happened with Josh, which we'll get to. But we also find this nice thing about her that she really does want to help people. She really does want to be the best person she can be. And although she has confronting the fact that this other part of her, everybody seems to love a bit more, um, she's figuring it out step by step, piece by piece, and is opening the door to surrender her vulnerability to people to kind of negotiate that, you know, with Nikki in separate scenes earlier in the last few episodes, 
But then here with a bunch of people she just met for the first time and Blonsky kind of opening up about the struggles that she's going with. And I love that it was a bunch of dudes who are trying to like, you know, kind of help her through this situation uh, who are also dealing with their own identity crises and uh, where they should be, who they are like Aguilar. Should I be a matador? I don't want to be a matador. That's so cliche fighting with man bull. So we're seeing that all oh, porcupine wanted to take the costume off, which is in essence show who they really are underneath the She-Hulk underneath the costume, all these things, you're seeing the symbolism on all of them. And I think it was uh, so fun to see uh, overall. And I, and I don't I don't know where I fit on the Emil Blonsky stuff, though, Mike. I'll be honest with you, because the inhibitor thing was that Aguilar sword, which obviously we saw shot bioelectric stuff out. Or is this something else? I don't know. So I've got my questions, and I like that it's giving me a little hesitation on certain things and the way they're being portrayed. Yeah, uh, they're... Yeah. Yeah, they either well, they either have there's either a bigger plan in this series of Blonsky yeah. or they're just really wisely keeping their options open. Like mm-hmm. he seems really great. Seems like he's worked some stuff out. But that whole oh, this just did this went off because of this, and yeah. even when he the was like, what, what did he say? He said something about his gang, and then yeah, he was like, good. please make it clear, please make it clear this is not a gang. I'm like, look. <laughs> I love that he is there helping these guys and they all seem like they're really responding well to their treatment yeah. at the center. Also, a former supervillain bringing a bunch of D-list supervillains around to a private area with no cell reception where they can talk about whatever they want. Good point. This could go either way, I'm just saying. Right, where they look at him as their leader uh, who is guiding them out of these situations. And so because he helped them, they feel like they owe him, right? Almost like a semi-cult. But it's also like, this is what Marvel does pretty well. And this is, you know, I mean, I've said this a thousand times when we talk about Marvel versus DC and everything else, but it's that patience. Yeah. It's that yeah. setting Emil Blonsky up like this. Look, if they decide in the next two episodes that all of a sudden Emil Blonsky and the D-listers that helped Jen in this episode and it was super sweet are all now the big bad guys and they're all going to attack Jen... That would feel a little bit forced. Right. Like, right. that would be like, uh, really? I just, they were so nice to her. Like, what's going on? This feels like a 180. But yeah. now, MCU just has Emil Blonsky up there doing what he's doing. So, in a Hulk movie down the line, or in right. the Thunderbolts movie, or anywhere in the MCU in the foreseeable future, if you ever want to circle back to Emil Blonsky, and yeah. oh, by the way, maybe he's not being completely as innocent as he says down yeah. the line, I think everybody would buy it, and that would be a fun twist and a really cool turn. So yeah. I think setting him up where he is and just leaving him there is a great move on their part. It's like, you know, if you think of the, the MCU as just a massive four-level chessboard, and Kevin Feige is just sitting there with his baseball cap on all day, just like staring at it. Sometimes you just put a piece there and you go, I'm just going to leave this piece here for like a year and a half. Right. We got other things to do. We got mutants. We got the daredevil thing over here. Um, You know, I mean, we're going to get to it after the break, but every single one of those guys in that therapy session at some point in time has fought the defenders or worked with the defenders or been against the defenders. And so with daredevil coming out with Punisher, maybe coming down the pipe with some of these other characters coming in again, just putting these characters in the universe and being like, leaving them there. Yeah. Yeah. That might not, that might not come to fruition until daredevil. It might not come to fruition until a Defender series, but they just exist. So when you get to a Daredevil series or a Defender series or Echo or anywhere, 
And all of a sudden, you need someone for them to fight, and you're like, oh, Blonsky's up there at his self-help retreat. Why don't we have that be a thing? Comes right back in. So I think it's really, really smart. Tell me about what you think about how they took Jen through the path of this episode, confronting this part of it, and then eventually opening up to these guys and then going into the yurt. What do you think they were trying to say with her character throughout this episode where she was caught up in this uh, obsession with Josh and texting her? I mean, she's listening to Mbop to try to take her mind off of it gets to this retreat she's certainly still even though her personal life may be a little in shambles she's very successful you've got nikki telling her she's nominated for female lawyer of the year she rolls right in the summer twilights when poor chuck is like hold on wait 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 uh even when her prius is kind of destroyed here she doesn't flip out or lose her mind she you know kind of tells man well you gotta pony up some money here for to handle the situation and then eventually comes to a, a better place about things after unleashing her anger initially at wrecker after she comes out of the yurt and everyone's like cheering her on and she gets a card from the guys and all of this. So what do you think about the journey they took her on and what they were confronting here? Because I think this is the first time, aside from Downey Jr. or Tony Stark's PTSD stuff, where they've really dealt with the mental health aspects of uh, taking on something like this. Yeah, and it's a good point. I mean, I think what the whole episode kind of represented was Jen, look at episode one. She is very clear. She has no interest in being a superhero right. and being a part of the superhero life. She thinks Bruce Banner is emotionally damaged. She makes some very valid points about his emotional damage yeah, and his yeah, trauma true. and what he has not faced by just being a part of a superhero team and that he doesn't really have a life. That he like, you know, he's in a lab in on an island with no friends and no family and he's like, yeah, things are good. This is the life. And she's like, that's not the life I want. She right. refuses to be She-Hulk at the beginning, kind of gets pulled into it. Um, gets pulled into the superhero law division because she can't get a job anywhere else. Right. So she's kind of stuck being that. So she's sort of like, she doesn't want a superhero suit. She doesn't want to have to get special clothes. She doesn't want to do this. She's always sort of fighting against yeah. the She-Hulk part of herself. And because the show is She-Hulk, we're constantly finding reasons why we have to drag her into it. Right. Um, but, you know, she's constantly like, I wish I didn't have this part of me. I wish I was just Jen. And that part of her, yes, is a, you know, seven foot tall, eight foot tall green woman. But that part of her also is the superhero part of the MCU. Right. That she hasn't really been a part of. And so in this episode, she is sort of stranded in like, you mm. know, the wellness center of supervillains. And she, the only people that she has to talk to here are a bunch of people who are just in this superhero life. Yeah. Maybe they're not very good at it, but they're a part of that superhero life. And so kind of working through her Josh issues with them and ultimately working through her She-Hulk issues that she has this thing where She-Hulk is sort of a crutch, but she's sort of jealous of her yeah, and this yeah. whole thing. And that them kind of being like, why don't you let, we want to see Jen, but also we love She-Hulk. The letter they love, the letter they write her at the end is we love Jen, we love She-Hulk. Right. Like we love right. both sides. And so I think even her getting in the yurt and leaning into their advice and kind of just accepting that this whole day kind of was good for her, yeah. uh, I think is also her kind of realizing that this is like Bruce was right in that her life is never going to be the same. Yeah, but yeah. she was right in that she doesn't have to give up Jen. So right. like this whole show is she does something like Jen Walters does something that aside from Matt Murdock, most people don't do like the entire nature of being a superhero is, Hey, 
Peter Parker sucks to be Spider-Man. Nobody even knows who the fuck you are anymore. You know, right. like so many characters, it's like Captain America. It's like, hey, yeah, yeah, you were frozen in ice and all your friends are dead and you don't get to be with Peggy until we get done with you in three phases of Marvel movies. You know, every right. single person, um, even Tony Stark, who seems to have it really, really great, um, can't ever quite find that balance. He's too busy yeah. superheroing and him and Pepper break up. And then when they finally get everything right... Uh, and they're all good on their own. He has to go save the world and open up time right. travel. Like, it's always this balance. And Jen Walters is kind of navigating, we're watching her in real time, navigate all of the real-life issues yeah. that go with being a superhero. Uh, you know, the creative team, uh, when they were, like, relaunching the show, they were like, look, we don't want to tell the story about the giant third-act, uh, you know, uh, European village that gets taken up into space by robots right we want to tell the story of like you're a superhero and you have to do the laundry you yeah. know you're the superhero and you're going on a date you're the superhero and the guy doesn't text you and you watch arguably the absolute best of all the muppet movies by a mile the right. great muppet caper um and i think that that is a nice welcome addition to the mcu yeah and i want to clarify my comment i made uh, just a few minutes ago about this they had mental health yeah obviously in avengers endgame they deal with survivor's guilt you know cap is leading that group with one of the Russo brothers there and talking about moving on past the five years, obviously one division dealing with grief certainly, but this is what this episode felt like it was more directly dealing with, with uh, philosophy, with the ideas of how to come to terms with who you are, all these things in a more overt way that us regular people who are not superheroes uh, deal with therapy, deal with, you know, group therapy, all these kinds yeah. of things, tactics that we use to kind of, come to terms and accept and love ourselves for the things that we are both good and bad, the flaws and all yeah. not good and bad. I don't even want to do that, but flaws and all. Um, and that's a tough journey to be on. And I think this episode was the first, one of the first things in the MCU where they overtly made it a central part of an episode with a superhero. I mean, yeah, I know. I think you're, I mean, look, you're right. I think that superhero stories in general work because to a degree, a lot of them are about trauma. Like right. we love, we, we, it's the big secret of superheroes. Like all of us who are nerds about DC and Marvel and Invincible yeah. and Image Comics and everything like, yeah, we love cool, bright costumes and awesome powers and epic world ending battles. But yeah. what we really love is the interpersonal relationships and the soap opera of it. Yeah. And the fact that all of these stories are just over the top colorful ways for us to talk about the human experience and yeah. the loves and the hates and the trauma that we deal with. And yeah, so like whether it be WandaVision or Bucky and Falcon and Winter Soldier yeah. or Tony or Cap running that survivors group uh, at the beginning of Endgame, like every single like superhero stories naturally deal with a level of trauma. To your yeah. point, putting Jen in the circle of trust in right. the calming chair yeah. and yeah. having everybody overtly talk about trauma and overtly talk about where you're at and have Jen kind of say, this is what I'm dealing with. It, it doesn't deal with it in a subtextual way. It's just right. dealing with it. Like this is what the episode is talking about and allows them to talk about it in a more direct way. Yeah, I agree completely. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll jump into these heroes uh, or the, sorry, these villains. Possibly <laughs> I mean, you know, they're Who heroes knows? to me in this episode. They're Fair heroes enough. to me. Yeah, heroes to you. And uh, Emil Blonsky's the thing and Josh's thing right after this. I'm holding uh, out for a hero till the end of the night. That's good. He's got that's good. You guys don't know. Michael's got a great voice. He does great heroes. That is games. false. That's not that is false. false at all. Um, all right, let's get into this thing, man. What an interesting collection of uh, people here at Summer's Twilight. As Michael pointed out so astutely, 
Uh, Blonsky has eliminated uh, cell reception, Wi-Fi service almost completely from the place, uh, uh, isolated everybody. And we find out that he's been treating these uh, D-list, as Michael said, uh, 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 super villains, maybe, but pretty, probably mm-hmm. mutants. Let's just here. call them. Let's just call them villains. I okay. don't know that there's super in there yet. Uh, fair enough. Well, they, you know, villains. Fine. Um, uh, Manbull is, um, if you know the comics, Manbull is essentially a a super soldier experiment gone wrong. Um, Aguilar is a combination of characters, but yes, is uh, El, uh, the Matador kind of character there. We've got Saracen, who may or may not be a vampire. Saracen was introduced in Blade and is the one of the oldest living vampires, if not the oldest living vampire, On if that's really him uh, there. And Porcupine, there's a little bit about Porcupine, created that super suit, then stole the super suit. And as Michael said, they've all fought the defenders. They uh, fought the number of Daredevil. Manbull, I think, fought Daredevil. Iron Fist is with uh, Porcupine, I think, or Aguilar. Sorry, with Porcupine, with uh, Iron Fist, and then Porcupine has been involved in other battles as well. There. Um, so, what are your thoughts on bringing these characters in? As you said, Kevin Feige is playing 4D chess. What role are these characters and Wrecker as well coming in now being redeemed? What role do you think they're all playing here in this situation? I mean, I don't think that there's a lot of, uh, I don't, I don't think these guys are like heavy hitters that we should be like keeping an eye on for phase five and six of the MCU. <laughs> I don't, it could be but on Secret I Wars. That, I can see but that. I, think, I mean, sure. Like maybe, look, I'm not like <laughs> any of these guys could take off. I'm not, no, no shame to any of them, but I think yeah, that, yeah. you know, the Marvel universe, the DC universe as well, like both of them are filled with, uh, bad guys, thugs and villains who, yeah a comic book creator needed some low level somebody for someone to fight. And uh, yeah, let's put a guy in a porcupine suit or let's have a guy who sort of looks like a bull. And then they get used again and they get used again and they just sort of become a part of this universe, but at a very like lower level, like these are just characters that you use when you need some kind of bad guy. You're like, ah, we need some kind of bad guy. Uh, let's just use somebody. Like, who, who do we have in the files? Like, look up the <laughs> files. Who do we got? And I think that's kind of what's happening here is the idea was Blonsky is running his wellness retreat. Let's get some of these, like, you know, Easter egg villains from the MCU. Who do we got? And you go into the files, you're like, oh, yeah. Are we, hey, hey, Feige, you got any plans for Manbull? And he was like, oh, no, I do not have plans for Manbull. You take him. Um, and then there's things like, but, um, like, El Aguilar, like, he's a mutant. Yeah, El Aguilar like, he, is a like, mutant. Yeah. So in the, in, the, in the comics, at least, he's a mutant. Now, does that mean he's a mutant in She-Hulk? No, but given where Miss Marvel ended, um, with them very clearly pointing out that there is a mutation yeah. uh, in her genome, um, maybe he is a mutant. Like maybe we are just going to start seeing these characters that were like, yeah, I just got these powers at some point. I don't know. Yeah, Saracen is interesting only because we've got Werewolf by Night coming, yes. and we 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 have a, a Blade movie that is at some level of in the works. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so. Uh, I think like Bo DeMaio, I think is the latest, uh, the, the news is that he's rewriting the entire Blade script. The yes. guy who's doing the X-Men cartoon, the most handsome man I've ever seen in, uh, in animation. Um, um, but anyways, sorry, just went on a little tangent there nice tangent. in my own head. Sorry, just gonna recover from that. Um, but yeah, like, like having, a, having a vampire show up and we know Blade is in the works, whether Saracen is an actual vampire or not. So I think each one of them sort of is like, okay, well, this is cute. Porcupine, I think they were just like, we need someone who's going to be a really funny joke, and yeah. that costume is ridiculous. But he did go up against the Fantastic Four, so and the X-Men, yeah. so could be opening some doors. But then again, all villains have gone up against almost all the heroes, right, Mike? So you might not... 
it might just be a, a stretch to say they might be kind exactly. of exactly weaving but, that into yeah. And then I thought them kind of bringing Wrecker back into it uh, yeah. was actually kind of cute. Like that yeah. was a nice little moment. I mean, it was a great moment because She-Hulk attacking him after what he did totally justified. Absolutely. But just everybody's reaction to it was really funny. And then putting her in the chair and putting him in the chair. And having them just talk things out instead of punching it out, which is usually what you do in a superhero show, it was like, well, look at that. Like that, that it does work when you just talk through things. How about that? Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe so yeah, a subtle I, message as well from that show, from the show, saying, "Hey guys, we don't need to get into a room and talk all this stuff out. Find some common ground, especially with how divided we are in our world lately. It's not a bad message to be putting out there." Totally. And I think and I think the bigger thing that I think is fun about She-Hulk in general and what we're able to do now is now that we are in phase four, over a decade, 30 plus film and TV project, like right. we are so far in, is that you're now seeing this, you know, when when Tony Stark was Iron Man, if there was all of a sudden some like mutant guy who looked like a bull, that would be a big deal in the Marvel Universe because right. there weren't that many super-powered people. Like, in those early days with the Marvel Universe, like, people with powers was a big deal. Yeah. Now what we're seeing, and we started to see it with Damage Control in No Way Home and Miss Marvel, and we're kind of seeing this go through, is that the yeah. world at this point through... Um, you know, science experiments gone wrong and radioactive spiders and multidimensional portals and gods from outer space and now mutation, we're getting a pretty full world where, where people with powers aren't just trying to save the world or destroy the world. They are social influencers. They are yeah. just trying to make a living. They are right. just living their lives. They are running wellness retreats. So we're seeing Some people don't want to that, be part of a group. Yeah, they want yeah. to go and do these other things. Yeah, great point. So we're now living in this world where being a super-powered individual yeah. is not that unique. Right. And... <clears throat> Bless you. Sorry. Um, and that's going to be really interesting. That that presents a whole different kind of storytelling that you're going to be able to tell. And it makes super teams like the Defenders mm. um, a lot more interesting and gives them a lot more to do. Right, ground um, level When you stuff. have these sort of ground level guys, you know, like, you know, the Defenders might not be going up against Kang the Conqueror or Thanos, but somebody's got to stop Man Bull when he goes <laughs> on like a spree of barbecue, uh, robbing barbecue restaurants or something. I don't know what Man Bull does on his on his off days, but something. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, no, I like it too. And, and and let's not leave out the werewolves and the vampires. I know you mentioned earlier, but there the, that expands the world out even more. Doctor Strange's mystical stuff as well. So we are, you know, the world is expanding quickly within the Marvel universe. And people have already heard people, you know, already grousing or complaining that they, you know, that they're having a hard time keeping up with all the madness of it all. But Marvel, just like the creators who you said earlier, Mike, are like we're moving forward. You got to got to catch up of what we're doing because this is where we're going and. Already the early buzz for Werewolf by Night is so strong. And we're only days away, right? I think October 7th is when that's coming out. So I'm hoping I get a screener at some point on Monday or Tuesday for that thing to take a look at it. So we're not that far away from that happening as well. So, so much is coming here. And Black Panther, Wakanda Forever is, is around the corner as well. So there's so I much. Swear to God, I was walking my dog the other morning and yeah. I just out of nowhere was like, holy shit, does Wakanda Forever come out in November? <laughs> yeah, right. Like it's coming out like in two months. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's coming real close. And look, I know it's not Marvel, but Black Adam is also on the 21st. So we're yeah. only days away okay. from Black Adam. So just cool, cool. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Just throw it out there. Cool, cool. yeah, yeah. I liked it. But thanks, yeah, for, thanks, for, thanks, for, thanks for reminding me of the other stuff. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. But look, I liked them all coming in. I, and, you know, Mar uh, Kevin Feige said in 2019 that he was going to have non marquee mutants 
kind of slowly lay the groundwork for this rather than having a big explosion of mutants and I kind of like this approach. We've had the idea of mutants being a big deal, although the word couldn't be said or whatever, but I uh, back then, but I like this idea that it's a more subtle approach. We're getting the appetizer before the meal, and I dig that because it kind of gets you used to this idea, and then boom, when it happens, it's going to change things because, uh, I mean, things could be uh, pointed out down the road that it's both Jen and Bruce who are mutants, and it's not necessarily – the idea that their body somehow responds better to gamma, that they actually were mutants and this just triggered that within them. That's all possible down the road. So I like that the door is being opened slowly, not kicked open so that we can well, get Well, and I think it also, look, obviously we all love the X-Men. Yes. We are all pro, I mean, mostly, I'm assuming if you are a comic book fan, you're pro-mutant. You don't think that mutants should be uh, destroyed. But, um, but I think doing it this way, creates an ability for marvel to make a it's sort of like with the sokovia accords yeah and civil war like we all love the superheroes we know that captain america is going to do the right thing but the sokovia accords is an interesting idea because it says just forget about your favorite heroes do we really just want all of these superpowered individuals to be able to ignore all borders diplomatic anything no government oversight and just go do what they want to do and you know and that and that's a compelling argument because when tony's like yeah we don't have that right but cap's like i don't trust this government and you're like yep both sides have good points here yeah and by having this sort of slow rollout of mutant stuff and just filling the mcu with all of these superpowered individuals you start to see how as just a average joe living out your life in the mcu the fact that you went from oh i'm worried that somebody might have a gun and rob me to i'm worried that somebody has bioelectric powers telekinesis telepathy or can turn into a giant man monster and attack me in an alley starts to get make you more anxious and you might say hey we got to do something about this and then damage control uh the government oversight let's see what we do about these superpowered individuals all the way leading up to sentinels not that that's the right thing to do, because obviously we're always going to be on the side of the mutants and like the rights that mutants represent. Yeah. But it creates a more compelling argument, just like the Sokovia Accords, where you can go like, okay, this doesn't just seem like mustache twirling bad guys. Right. There's a case to be made here. And so I think like doing it this way is kind of the more interesting way, like you were saying. Okay. Yeah, let's take a quick break. I want to jump into uh, two more points here, and then we're going to wrap up this review. Uh, we'll be right back right after this. Yeah? I got okay. nothing. Good. No. <laughs> Nothing. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the Shannon McClung jukebox. Hey, just put a quarter in. Um, All right. Let's deal with this Emil Blonsky real quick. The inhibitor thing. I want to ask you a question, uh, your thoughts on this, Mike, because I was reading some breakdowns and I actually had, hadn't even considered this idea that the inhibitors, of course, the inhibitors are like trackers. Obviously I got that, the connection, real world connection to our world. Now some, some people have these uh, things put on them to monitor them on their ankles, ankle monitors or whatever you want to say. Um, But in the comics, inhibitors have been used in very extreme ways in in Genosha, uh, Genosha. having them be used to enslave mutants. Mm-hmm. Um, so is this maybe a tease, as you said, yet again, Kevin Feige laying the groundwork for this to be used later on down the road with this inhibitor situation? Is Emil Blonsky aware of this? Is he messing with the inhibitor on purpose to see how far he can go with it does he sense that maybe this inhibitor um may cause problems because obviously he's gamma affected too by being part of that old thing that bruce uh, how bruce became uh, the hulk so 
Do you think this is there's more to come with this inhibitor situation? Well, I, yeah, I think maybe. I mean, I mean, I think a. I think if you watch the trailer for the back half of the season for She-Hulk, mm. we clearly see Abomination is Abomination. Yes. So yeah. he's doing something with that inhibitor chip where he or where that inhib- like he's doing something. Yeah. But um, I think again, just like I was saying before the break, I think what's interesting is Emil Blonsky's a big bad guy. He was yeah. a big bad guy in Incredible Hulk. So when the government through the parole board says, "Hey, you need to wear an inhibitor collar so that you can't use your powers." We all watching the show go, yeah. oh, yeah, villain, villain should wear the inhibitor collar. That seems like a, that seems good. Yeah. That seems like it makes sense. It's now, a good middle ground. Yeah. It, yeah, okay, like, that seems fair. But cut to, you know, a couple TV shows from now, yeah. and you have a, a, a 10-year-old kid who has some kind of mutant ability who has to wear an inhibitor collar to school every day. Right. And you go, yeah, oh, yeah, that feels that feels a little bit weirder. And then, like when they're putting everybody who has uh, any kind of super ability or mutant gene or anything, like, now let's go. Like, okay, like why don't you everybody go to the go to your local clinic, and we're gonna swab you. And if you have this specific mutation, we're just gonna put an inhibitor collar on you, right. just to be safe. You have to wear it every day. Government says you're like. Okay, now this is feeling really weird. And so you can see how doing something in a way in She-Hulk in a nice comedy show where you're like, oh, yeah, Blonsky should wear an inhibitor collar. Sure. (laughs) But (laughs) that goes, you know, you watch you watch how that snowballs really, really quick and you go, ooh. And then you go, wow, if only there was a superhero lawyer who could represent (laughs) all these people. Um, and really and really fight for their rights in a court of law. Hmm. I wonder who that could be. Well, we, I, that's a great point, and I agree with you. I think that's I think they're laying this uh, groundwork here for this to be used in a certain way, how they want to use it down the road. Uh, but I want uh, also I wonder where where are the seven uh, women? Was it seven or eight women that were his um, uh, soulmates? Where are the seven soulmates? They did not appear in this episode at all. Uh, is that a budget cut, or are they is he taking care of what, What's the situation? I feel like I, well. It depends. I guess it depends on how um, how accurate and true yeah. the closing credit artwork is in the show. Because uh, I think in the Oblonsky episode, they showed him riding away on the bus waving, and they were all chasing after the bus crying and, 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 and hollering after him. So right. maybe he ditched them as soon as he got out of prison. Maybe, maybe they have their own little yurt somewhere on the property, oh, and they're just hanging out. It's a big property. I we didn't see all of it, so maybe maybe that's what they're doing. It was a big property. I would I would if that retreat really existed, I had no problem going there for a week. For God's sake, it was fantastic. Uh, and anyway, shout out to Abominaste. That is awesome. Abominaste is genius, and that should immediately be on shirts everywhere. All right, let's deal with Josh. Uh, as I predicted, and as Shannon's trying to take kind of semi credit for predicting, uh, Josh uh, was a bad guy here. He did get rid of his nice guy act here at the end because we cut to three days earlier after the whole adventure with Jen and her being in a better place with uh, Dan from Slot Trucking, hint, hint, taking her uh, out of there. Um, He uh, takes a picture of her. He copies the content on her phone and then texts Hulk King about successfully taking her blood. So... Sadly, yet another guy in her life who she maybe was kind of well, she was clearly interested in or opening the doors to turning on her. So what are your thoughts on this? As they did this seem too easy, or did you like that they made this twist and did you see it coming? 
Well, yeah, no offense to you or to Shannon, but I don't think that this was a twist that was a big shocker. I'm just saying. Uh, when Josh showed up at that wedding, when Josh showed up at that wedding, I was like, you are so hot and you are so nice and you are so perfect and you like French fries. Oh, God, you're a bad guy. You're a bad <laughs> one. You're part of this intelligentsia bullshit. Uh, so when they did, you know, as soon as he was gone at the beginning yeah. and he wasn't texting back, it was like, okay, well, I see what happened here. So when they kind of cut back at the end to show it, I mean, I think that's still the right way to do it. I think that yeah. living with Jen's uncertainty, even though we were a little bit more clear, probably a lot of us were on what was happening. I think still doing it that way and then showing it at the end is a good way to sort of tee us up for these next two episodes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a bummer because he was just so cute he was so cute like I and I he showed up and he was being goofy and I was like oh I was like if I was at that wedding I would go home with you and even and even if I knew that you were the bad guy I might still go home with you anyway that's how yeah. cute you are yeah um so it was a bummer but I also just it kind of leads to you know this whole intelligentsia thing I just think the creators of She-Hulk deserve a little bit of credit for doing a female-driven Marvel sitcom on Disney Plus yeah and knowing without any doubt how a subset of the internet was going to respond yes. to this show yeah and making them the big bads of the show and nailing everything they say like you look at what they're saying on Intelligentsia and then you yeah. go to scroll through some Twitter feeds on She-Hulk and you're like same same yeah. So, like, I think they deserve a lot of credit for going, let's just make these toxic boys on Twitter uh, the bad guys in the show because they're going to hate it anyway. So let's yeah. double down. And and I think so, that's awesome. Yeah, they had the exchange with her and Nikki in the law office where she said, I don't care what these yeah. people think about me. So that was a very overt uh, shot, which is, of course, pissing them off even more. And they're yeah. making these angry videos about the whole thing. Uh, and getting their views, which is really what it's all about. Uh, I don't know how authentic some of that criticism is sometimes, but you know, you, you work, you make your business, you make your money. I want to hit this emoji thing real quick before we wrap up. The emoji is a broken vial of blood, or sorry, is a syringe of blood, then the green chemical thing, the beaker or whatever it is, the test tube, sorry, and then the thumbs up. So um, he's taking her blood. Where are we going with this? Are we creating another Hulk here? If the leader is involved in this, are we creating another Hulk? Or is this more for the leader to understand how to defeat the Hulk and defeat Abomination and defeat the She-Hulk? Or is there a new Hulk? Because we know that there is a Red Hulk in the comics that has been usually attached to Thunderbolt Ross, but yeah. other people have been a Red Hulk. So are we opening the door for the Red Hulk down the road like this, even though, of course, the late, great William Hurt has passed away as Thunderbolt Ross earlier this week on the hot mic, Jeff Snyder uh, broke the news that Harrison Ford was possibly or had been in talks to be Thunderbolt Ross. And wouldn't that be interesting to have him be Red Hulk as well? So what do you think? Just, this now, now I'm just picturing the Red Hulk with like Harrison Ford's gravelly voice coming out of it. And I'm like, oh, don't talk to me about Star Wars. I'm fucking done with Han Solo. Raw. <laughs> <laughs> she was my wife. Um, <laughs> what, what do we do with it? Is this a? Am I making too much of this emoji, or do you think maybe? No, no, no. I don't, well, look, I, look, no, I don't think you're making too much about the emoji because what the emoji represent? I mean, look, episode one when Bruce was like, "Hey, Jen, please watch me destroy your blood, and let me explain to you that I must destroy this blood because if anybody got this blood, that would be bad because this blood is very dangerous that you and I have inside of us, and nobody should have it except us." It was right. like, okay, well. 
that's a that's a big spotlight. <laughs> that's a big spotlight on where this is going. So the fact that the wreckers were trying to get her blood, that what's his face, uh, weirdo who dated her. Uh, oh weirdo, yeah, yeah, weirdo, yeah. Who, weirdo who dated her, who clearly is kind of wrapped up in this intelligentsia thing, who like referred to her as a specimen. Yeah. Um, I mean, the whole thing. It's very clear that you are correct that her blood and this Hulk blood getting out there now, is it the leader? Like, I think it would be great if it was. That would like maybe yeah. it is, maybe it isn't. But I think that would be a great reveal uh, leading up to the leader being the big bad in Captain America four. Right. Um, is it you know just a bunch of dude bros on the internet who think they could be better Hulks than some right. chick? Which. Yeah. I'm scrolling through Twitter and it does, that doesn't feel like it's outside the realm of possibility. It's true, very true. Um, you know, so it could be it could be a lot of things. It might have nothing to do with the leader or anything at all. But I think the idea of giving more people that ability, you know, is this ultimately going to be the way that we get an Amadeus Cho? You know, is this you know oh, is there, yeah. there's a oh, it, do we yeah. end up with other? It's not just Red Hulk who's yeah. out there. There's Amadeus Cho and there's other characters. So is this a way to start spreading that Hulk thing around, which causes problems for both Jen and Bruce because they would feel a responsibility? So I think whatever they're doing uh, is going to be you know She Hulk being the type of show that it is. I don't think that it's going to run into um, the similar, I don't want to say problems because I liked it more than you did, but like the similar critique that shows like WandaVision and some of these other shows have gotten where you kind of have this show that kind of works how it does. And then the last two episodes, they kind of turn into their equivalent of the third act movie battle and it doesn't stick the landing because it doesn't do everything that everybody wants. I don't think that She-Hulk is going to end up going, oh, in these last two episodes, we have to like have She-Hulk attack an entire army of Hulks and we have to do this and that. I think it'll probably be more of a gen focused story with some elements of action. She's definitely going to superhero up and wear her super suit, yeah. but I don't think it's going to be that. But I think that whatever happens with this blood, even if she destroys the sample or does whatever she does, some of it's going to get out or there's going yeah. to be whatever this thing is, it's going to spin off into other uh, ramifications for the MCU going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. And I think that's what I'm looking forward to. And cut to two episodes from now and Jen's finding a whole team of Hulks. We shall see. I mean, but yeah, it is, but it is. I mean, I just want to say like, you know, cause we do, I mean, and we've done it. Everybody does. Like we all love the yeah. MCU, but their MCU has its complaints for the, in the beginning of the MCU, we all complained that the villains weren't as awesome yeah. as the heroes. Right. And then we got Loki and then we got Thanos and then we got Killmonger and we calmed down because we were like, all right, you know, you did a good job. Um, but there's also that sort of critique with the movies and the shows so far where you kind of get to this big epic third act battle that doesn't really do everything or, yeah. you know, does, and like, I think She-Hulk is going to do a nice job of sort of sidestepping that yeah. just because this show is really emotionally more about Jen accepting herself as a superhero. Like, yes. like if, if we get to the end of the show and Jen goes, yeah. oh, I can be a superhero and I can be a lawyer. I can do both of these things. Right. I am now a complete person. That's where the show is going. Like, that's the emotional landing that we want to get by episode nine. So her stopping the samples, beating up some intelligentsia goons, teaming up with Daredevil, all that stuff is going to be fun. But we don't need, oh, Jen saved New York City from an army of rampaging, uh, you know, incel Twitter hulks. Like that, that we don't, I mean, although a bunch, an army of incel Twitter hulks now is something that I want to see, but we don't necessarily need to see it by, uh, by, by the end of this season. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. And I think that's the great thing about the message of the show, right? At the end of the day, accepting yourself can turn you into even more of a superhero in your own life, 
right? And that's a good thing. That's a healthy thing. To, it doesn't mean you have to kiss your own ass all the time and go on social media and say how great you are. It just means, hey, coming to terms with who you are, loving who you are, accepting who you are, you'll be surprised how much more power you will have in your life, superhero or otherwise. So that's a fantastic message, I think, for a show to do. Especially and also, nowadays. no offense, no offense to anybody in Matt Murdock's life. Yeah. But I really just want Jen and Matt to date just for a little while now. What? Stop it. I mean, no. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I know. Listen, I know. I know Matt has a lot of ladies in I his like life already. He's got a packed chair. dance card. I'm just saying, like, the guy that gets to show up and say, hey, you can be a superhero and you can be a lawyer. And by the way, you and I can go out and beat up bad guys, and we can also eat French fries and argue about law. Like he's kind of the perfect guy for her. Yeah, perfect I'm guy just friend. Saying perfect guy friend. I don't know about. Oh the my god, friend. get out of it! Don't Harry and Sally me. Don't Harry and Sally me. <laughs> Wait, they ended up together. I'm not saying. <laughs> uh, all right, well there you go. Any final words, Mike? Uh, I think we talked about everything, but any final words? Oh, I think we did. Look, I mean, like I said, like it, it's clear. Like it's it's to me, the show is delightful and fun, and I think it's putting a spotlight on an aspect of the Marvel universe that we don't get to spend as much time in, in some of the more serious shows, which I also love. Um, but I'm just having a blast and uh, can't wait to see more and more and more of Jen Walters in the MCU. I will say this. I needed an episode like this after the last few uneven episodes for me. I like this episode. This makes me fall back in love with the world a little bit more. Yeah. And again, did all the comedy work that all the D list villains showing up work for me? Not 100%, but the spirit of it worked for me. And I like that. That put me in a better place. And I look forward to these next two episodes and seeing how they wrap things up. Because it's always about sticking the landing. That's what they all say. No matter, You may stumble a little bit in the middle, but if you stick that landing, that's what they're going to remember. So I hope that they do, because I am championing this. I love Tatiana in the role. And she was really great here showing you so many levels of what Jen's going through. So I want to see what we're going to get here in these next two episodes. And I'm excited again to watch them for that's saying that's a good thing for me personally. All right. Well, there you go. That's our spoiler review for episode seven, the retreat here of She-Hulk from the MCU and Disney plus. Thank you all so much for watching this episode. Um, I don't, I usually go to Shannon on this. So here's what I'll say. Just follow us. as You see right above our heads. No, no, I got it. I got it. Michael, what do we have? Uh, Hey, Hey guys, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you would like to follow John Roca, he's at the Roca says, if you would like to follow me, I am at MK tune. Well, you should also put him and you have to share him. He's not on the screen. I'm just reading the screen, John. I can't. Fair enough. Fair enough. You can follow Shannon at Shannon geek buddy. Michael, what else do we have to tell? Uh, well, look, if you enjoyed this chat about the lighter side of the MCU and you enjoy talking about all things geeky, we are the place for you. And here's what you can do to help us continue doing what we do. Uh, you can hit that like button below. You can join, uh, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Uh, there's a ton of amazing content there. Lots of Geek Buddies content, more Geek Buddies content than ever right now with all sure. the stuff that's out there to watch. So definitely tune into all of that. Leave your comments below. Um, are you loving She-Hulk? Are you not liking She-Hulk? Does it not work for you? Do you think it's gonna stick a landing? Who do you think is going to be the big bad? Like, where do you think things are going to go? And how do you think She-Hulk is stacking up in uh, up against the other Disney Plus shows? Let us know in the comments below. Um, if you are listening to us on podcasts, wherever podcasts are available, go ahead and leave us some stars. Leave us some comments so that we go up in the rankings and more people can find us. And the best thing that you guys can always do is retweet this video, post it to your socials, and send it to your friends to tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. Yeah, and please do everything Michael said on the podcast side of things. You know, we're on iHeartRadio 
now we're on we're, we jumped over there and so getting our numbers up getting our download numbers up are really important so if you watch us here we'd love for you to subscribe because then that gets us numbers you don't you don't have to like listen to all the episodes but if you subscribe that's the numbers we're looking for so it'll download on your phone you can delete the episode because you saw it but at least it downloads and it gives us a download which we appreciate and a and a subscription number so thank also, you also. we are great we are great on a walk you walk yes. your dog, walk yes. your dog with the Geek Buddies. We're great on the treadmill. You're getting tired of running those laps. Well, listen to the Geek Buddies. Like, we will go with you wherever you need to go. You get a doc in your pocket with Carbon Health, but you get a geek in your, um, mm, no, a nerd in your, no. Mm, just put us in your pocket. <laughs> there you go. You got a buddy on your body. How about that? Well, no, that's not good either. Never mind. Let's get that but speaking of Carbon Health, thank you to Carbon Health for powering and sponsoring us here uh, on the Outlaw Nation and the Geek Buddies. We appreciate them madly. If you have any healthcare questions, concerns, or needs, please head on over there to uh, uh, CarbonHealth.com and get it checked out today. They've got places all over the country, 80 locations in California alone, offering virtual care, in-person care, and urgent care, COVID testing, whatever you need. They want to build specific health care plans just for you so that you can go at your pace and get into the best shape of your life and stick around for a little bit longer in our world and hang out with us on the Geek Buddies. All right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. And we'll talk to you next time with another spoiler review here from the Geek Buddies. Buddies. <laughs>